0: How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown,
1: shorthanded
0: for L.A., Score! Here is Goligosky, he gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. 3 for 3 for I uh, kind of like it. And on the right-wing side, here is DeFoli. <laughs> shoots, he scores! Oh,
1: oh! Well right, Battling through it, coming away. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Even though we recorded in the middle of the summer, I feel like it has been forever since we've done one of these, probably because a lot of things happened, like, right after we recorded. So we're going to backtrack a little bit, and I will first ask, Diane, how have you been this summer?
0: I've been spectacular. Um, I was, like, kind of cool without having so much hockey, you know, at the beginning, and then it got exceedingly boring. Fair. um, Because we had no playoffs, and therefore like the time without hockey was just too great but otherwise you know lovely how about you
1: my summer has been pretty good I feel like it was got to a point and part of it is because yeah we just couldn't watch the Kings play and so it was I I sort of forgot exactly how long like the postseason is and before summer even really starts and so by like mid-August I was like is hockey ever coming back Maybe not, uh, but then it did. It is finally here. We're just a couple of days away from the regular season, and that's exciting. So I feel pretty good about it. And I got you know to spend the entire summer not really doing anything, which I can't complain about too much, except for eventually I got bored.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is just our own personal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we did a couple of things, so if you have not seen them, which we, you know, we tweeted about them when they happened, but we did like the Puck Daddy A to Z guide for the LA Kings. We were asked if we want to participate in that, and we did, and we had a lot of fun putting it together. So if you haven't read it, you should check it out. Um, we've only looked at a couple of the Yahoo comments because we're scared of Yahoo comments in general. So much to click on the view <laughs> comments
0: portion. I was like, oh. This
1: I am excited about the fact that there might be thanks, thanksbud truthers out there. People trying to uncover um, or get Diane to admit that she is a Ducks fan. Amazing.
0: They're not who they say they are. They're not really fans. She's really an undercover Ducks fan. Because really, I would spend so much of my life doing this if I was just truly a Ducks fan.
1: <laughs> yeah. You've been a sleeper agent this whole time. We're actually just a podcast that's eventually going to convince you to love Corey Perry. <laughs>
0: Um, the longest con, and let me just tell everyone out of time, I am way too lazy uh, to pull <laughs> off a long con like that. So yeah, we did that, so check
1: it out if you want to. And we also, um, a couple, well, I did mine close to the beginning when they started, and then Diane's just went up a couple days ago. But Jules from the Crown asked us if we wanted to write about some of the prospects, or really they, did, they do their top 25 under 25 every year. And um, I wrote about Alex Lentuniemi, and Diane wrote about Jordan Wheel. So, which is exciting, actually, because as we will discuss, it seems like he might actually get to start the season with the Kings. Hooray! So yeah, read those if you want to check those out. We both, you know, use some fun gifts, as we do, as is our nature. Um, And so those are kind of a couple things that we've done, and now you know, we started posting a little bit, but first, the way that we always kick off this podcast for the season, Frozen Fury just happened, and it was the last one at the MGM Grand Arena, so it was it was pretty special, and it was f- the first time that the two of us got to see the
0: Kings win a game against the Avalanche in that arena. Yeah, so we're pretty happy about that one, that we didn't travel all the way to Las Vegas only to see them lose like we had for the last two years, because <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the year that there were the two games, one with the Rangers, one with the Avalanche, uh, we only saw the Losing Avalanche game, so boo for us. But finally, we are winners and have seen them play, and a pretty—I was going to say excellent game. I'm going to say high-scoring game. Um, they they scored four to zero. Shout out the Avalanche. But if anyone watched the game, it kind of looked a bit like a slapstick comedy because everyone kept falling in ways where their limbs just flew everywhere, and it was kind of crazy how slightly out of sync they were. Like, not to be a total downer about it, I'm very glad that they won, but, like, the the back and forth in the neutral zone was slightly concerning. It,
1: it was pretty sloppy. And, I mean, part of that, and I noticed it especially any time the Avalanche went on the penalty kill, like, they're just really aggressive. They're not a very good team, but they're very aggressive in their methods of not goodness. <laughs> so... <laughs> It kind of seemed like they were all over the Kings all the time. And I know both of us have actually talked about in some games during the regular season between the Kings and the Avalanche, although like both of those teams have had some roster turnover, uh, is the fact that they make, even though it's not always true, because like the Kings like had doubled the shots on goal that the Avalanche had, they make the Kings look like they're always just – slightly out of position, or like they're trying really hard to stay in position. I don't know. Something about the Avalanche just makes the Kings look super confusing, particularly in the neutral zone.
0: Um, I think part of the times like we've, for whatever reason, have seen the Avalanche play a lot um, during the regular season, and they seem to be a fairly fast bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, So it tends to, you know, kind of, the the Kings play a hard game, but not necessarily a very quick one. So um, sometimes it just makes them look a little silly. Yeah. Um,
1: there was some interesting, ridiculous fights. Actually, the goal scores in that game also were kind of hilarious in that it was Dustin Brown um, with a pretty dirty goal, and then Kyle Clifford also with a pretty dirty goal, although the keep-in by Derek Forbert was amazing that, you know, let allowed that play to happen. Then Trevor Lewis was a pretty goal that, like, here's the thing about Trevor Lewis. I feel like even though he scored nine goals last season, it seemed like all of his coolest goals were, like, pretty much a result of Tyler Toffoli being amazing <laughs> and Trevor Lewis not fucking up, capitalizing on those moments. And, um, but this one, unassisted Trevor Lewis, real nice goal, so good job, sir.
0: It was, ki- it was like, I cheered so loud when <laughs> Dave Joseph announced that the Trevor Lewis, one, that he had scored a goal, and two, that it was unassisted. It was slightly embarrassing, but it was a really nice goal, so totally warranted. I had fun with it. Of course, he then
1: got outdone in terms of
0: slick, nice goals by Marion Gabrick roofing the puck from his knees. Very reminiscent of basically every goal that he scored in the postseason series against the Ducks, where he was either falling down before the goal or after the goal or during the goal, just always falling.
1: (laughs) I think it was Ryan Dunn who pointed that out on Twitter, like, Marion Gabrick has, re- like, rediscovered his scoring touch, which is falling down. <laughs> and it's true. It works for him. Just fall a lot. And um, that play – I mean, Gabrick was um, – Gabrick. Kopitar on that play was all over um, – who was the defense? Was that – was Barry on that play? I forget which guy it was. But Kopitar held it out, got the puck at least out. And even though Gabrick fell down, he still made it happen. so – Good job to those two, especially because that top line has not had a whole lot of chemistry, it seems like, through
0: preseason. Yeah, that was their first goal of the preseason. And, I mean, for a while, everyone's been a little bit, you know, concerned that nothing – it doesn't really seem to be clicking. Like, they did score the goal, but for the most part, the play during the entire game wasn't very in sync. They didn't seem to be as dazzling as everyone had hoped when Lucic was put on that line. Maybe that's just a preseason thing. Maybe that's going to kick into gear eventually and and work out. But as of right now, um, it's not like the big scoring goal like people thought it was going to be.
1: I mean, again, like you said, it's a preseason, a lack of change. Was it? It wasn't last season. It was the season before where like King's centers had gone an entire month before they scored. Um, So if. And, and I'm actually really worried about the Kings' bottom six because, like, Trevor Lewis, you know, his last season, his production that was pretty high for him in terms of goals. And you've got, like, Dustin Brown, who'll probably be on the third line. Right now he's on the line with Lewis and Shore. And then hopefully Jordan Wheel will provide some goal scoring if he does get to stick around. But, like, guys like Andrioff and Nolan and Clifford, as hard as they work, they're not goal scorers. So I'm worried about the bottom six, but if – by some miracle, guys like Lewis and Clifford and maybe Wheel can pull out these goals until Lucic, Kopitar, and Gabbert get it together. And then, um, I mean, Tyler fully scored a hat trick in one of the preseason games, but hopefully that 70s line still plays really well and they can figure it out. I feel like there's potential there, but it is kind of like, look, I'm already concerned enough about the bottom six not scoring any goals, so you kind of need everybody in that top six to really be firing them.
0: <laughs> right. Um, Kyle Clifford seems to be doing his level best to become some sort of, like, elite bottom six player, Um, (laughs) (laughs) as everyone in the arena noticed, uh, which was kind of great to hear kind of like the rumblings as we were sitting there. Um, As Kyle Clifford had the puck in the offensive zone and just ended up circling the goal, you thought that he might pass to someone to kind of like set up a play, but no, he just continued to like circle the zone. And some dude next to us was like, come on, Cliffy, do another lap, which was (laughs) phenomenal.
1: Perfect. Uh, Yeah, I like that he was just like running, you know, doing some sprints around everybody. It was cool. And the Avalanche didn't do anything. They just mostly let it happen. It didn't result in a goal or anything, but it was pretty insane to watch, especially because, of course, he had that goal earlier in the game where he essentially like pushed uh, Red O'Bara out of the way (laughs) to put that puck in the net. Kyle Cliver had a pretty great night. He was, I believe, the first star. He was. And he earned it. (laughs)
0: Um, He was the first star to like humongous cheers. It was kind it was was, like honestly one of the best things I've ever seen.
1: People were stoked, including us. Um, There were also a couple of ridiculous fights. I mean, Trevor Lewis fought Nathan McKinnon, for example. I don't know why that happened. Um, Dustin Brown fought Jerome McGinnla. Also, not sure why that happened. I mean, Again, I think there was like a hit that Dustin Brown had that was clean, but again, I didn't like it or something. I don't know. It was kind of crazy that like of all the people to fight is like this collection of guys who aren't really fighters. Yeah, it's
0: it's like only people who were drafted in the first round were allowed to fight. And it was like (laughs) the weirdest collection of them were the ones that ended up doing it. So, you know,
1: never forget that Trevor Lewis was drafted in the first round.
0: (laughs) This is why I'm I'm reminding everyone (laughs) right now. Um, but I guess that's what happens in Vegas. Everyone goes slightly crazy and decides, like, hey, I'm in the MGM Grand Arena. They hold boxing here. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And I guess they got kind of overcome with like, the fight in them. Uh, to no avail, really. Like, none of the fights really panned out to be crazy, I don't think. Trevor Lewis got a few punches in, but otherwise. I don't think Dustin Brown got any punches I don't in. think he did either. He,
1: he pretty much just got his butt kicked by a <laughs> He's too busy like focusing on eating well, you know. (laughs) He's got other things on his mind. He didn't really practice the fighting during this off season, which I'm okay with.
0: Exactly. We don't we don't need too much more of that. Let someone else take care of it. He doesn't need to to handle that one. Did you see the thing today from um,
1: what's the guy Josh Cooper from Puck Daddy? Right? That's his name. Yeah. uh, About the uh, nutritionist. Yeah. I liked Dustin Brown being like, I like dairy a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to cut it out. Also him being like, this probably wouldn't work if I didn't like vegetables. That was
0: like one of my favorite parts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that was so charming that he's like, it just seemed very like introspective. Like, you know, this probably wouldn't work so well if I didn't like eating vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Like that's such like a little kid thing to say. I don't know. It was funny. I'm
1: glad that you're eating your vegetables now, Dustin Brown. More of them, presumably. Um, I'm sorry that you had to give up dairy because things like ice cream were delicious. But the dude looks so ripped this summer. It's amazing. And I hope it translates to him scoring more goals and stuff. So the Kings finished the preseason with a 4-1-1 record, which doesn't really mean anything except the some of the heartening things. Like despite them they had a, you know, a couple games in there where they couldn't really score. Um, despite that, something that's fun is that they still remain a pretty amazing possession team. Hopefully that translates to like really quality shots on goal, um really great scoring chances. The Kings shoot a lot and they get a lot of shots on net, but they're not always consistent about having traffic in front um a thing that frustrates me I know is they don't always capitalize on rebounds in the slot because their system doesn't always have somebody in the slot to to get those uh but excitingly like Tanner Pearson is back maybe he'll do that that seems to be or that was his bread and butter before he kind of got hurt so um that's fun at least
0: yeah the number of times that we see a puck just kind of sitting gently in front of the goalie with an open net but no Kings players around is uh, disheartening. (laughs) But maybe, yeah, you're right. With Tanner Pearson back, he seems to like to park himself in front of the goalie quite a bit. So maybe um, that'll help the Kings out a little.
1: Also, I will say with the third line, I noticed that Nick Shore tried to do that a couple times in the game against the Avalanche. One of them was, like, perfect, and then he fanned on it, I think. But at least he tried. (laughs) At least he tried. So um, hopefully they stick to that. I know um, Daryl Sutter's system, it doesn't allow for too much creativity, especially because then if your creativity leads to a mistake, Daryl Sutter will pretty much pretend you don't exist. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) But hopefully we get a little bit of creativity (laughs) because it's really fun when it comes out.
0: Don't stifle these boys, Daryl Sutter. Let them be free.
1: (laughs) So with that said, now that the preseason is over, the Kings have made... Almost all of their cuts. There are a couple of like injury-related things that are not fully settled yet, so we might see a little bit more change. But the roster is pretty much set. It includes Nick Shore still, um, like I said, Jordan Wheel still up right now. The the maybe being Brian O'Neill because like uh, Dwight King was being evaluated for an injury. Like if Dwight King has to sit out, Brian O'Neill could play maybe, um, but we'll see. They said they'd have a decision. Tomorrow, and this is uh, Monday night, so probably by Tuesday afternoon, maybe once this podcast is up, we will know. (laughs) But um, it's exciting because we were both really pulling for Jordan Wheel to make it. I'm really glad he made it.
0: Yeah, I remember when we went to a preseason game a couple of seasons ago at the Honda Center and us being like, wait, who's that guy? That guy's really good. And every time it was Jordan Wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, So to see the fact that he has a chance um, yes, I am very excited to see what he's gonna do. I hope he does something. You know, I mean, I hope as much as he's been good in the preseason, as as much as he's been good in the AHL, um, whether that translates to actual like NHL games uh, remains to be seen. But I hope that he proves himself enough to kind of stick around for a while.
1: Yeah, I think the big question mark for the Kings right now is basically that they need a third line center and. Lewis has been doing it and it's been said that none of the guys in training camp like Nick Shore or like Jordan Wheel have really done enough to take it away from Trevor Lewis yet but what I'm hoping is that competition sort of keeps on going throughout the season because they do want to eventually find like the right guy but and I think pretty much like having those guys not pit against each other necessarily but you know they all want to be the person and be the best and find that stable spot in the lineup with that ice time so having those three kind of competing a little bit in a helpful friendly way I think could make for um something exciting with the roster and I, I also want them to find the right one because I feel like Dustin Brown just you know he's a guy that kind of it depends on how good his center is when he was playing with Andre Kopitar Dustin Brown was doing really good things for a long time and um Last season, Jared Stoll was kind of awful as a third line center. Dustin Brown never really got much going. And so I'm hoping if they find somebody who really excels in that position, guys like Brown will um, – you'll see an increase in their production as well.
0: Especially with Brown, like, working so hard um, during the off season with his nutrition, with his strength training, with, you know, just being um, in shape for the season uh, – I don't want to see it squandered. You know, I don't want to see him paired up with a poor center that doesn't let him reach his full potential, essentially. Um, so in that, I really hope that the competition for that third line center just kind of pays off.
1: Yeah, I want to I see it happen. It'll be very interesting.
0: But one, one battle, though, that I did not expect to end the way that it did was the battle between McBain and Schultz.
1: Oh, yeah. The person who came yeah. out on
0: top was not who I thought was going to come out on top. And that person is Jeff Schultz.
1: The thing about those two is that I feel like neither one is a great option. But Jeff Schultz is not good <laughs> <laughs> at all. And he also, like, Jamie McBain isn't great either. But he at least, you know, had some kind of a little bit fluky, like, scoring things happen last season. So at least that was more exciting but i don't know they're both kind of whatever and so yeah i thought it would be McBain, but it is jeff schultz who is someone we constantly struggle to remember
0: we're gonna have to remember him now that he's like actually on the team but yes for the longest time we forgot that he existed i gave you a note to like a picture of him to remind you that he was there the guy who has had his nameplate misspelled true um
1: so we're not the only people who forget but, he, about but here
0: he is jeff schultz Um uh, his time to shine is now apparently yeah
1: and he you know he might see some games because like matt green um battling a little bit of an injury and it's right now said so he's doubtful to play in the home opener jake muzzin also was injured in a preseason game and has been day to day he says he'll be ready But we'll see. So like there's a little bit of a little question marks to start the season for the Kings on defense, which means that someone like Schultz could see some ice time. He has quite an opportunity there. Uh, So, you know, hopefully he does well. And good luck to that
0: dude. (laughs) Good luck. I mean, we wish him the best. We haven't seen it hasn't been too promising, but um, I won't, you know, I won't count him out. (laughs) Yeah, that's the best that I can muster. With the changes
1: in the roster, which, by the way, it is kind of interesting. This is probably the most change the Kings roster has seen in the last few years. So it's exciting. Slash, I spend every day crying about Justin Williams, but it's fine. I will get through it. Anyway, we have new players. Players have changed their numbers. Also, here we got Christian Ehrhoff. By the way, I don't... He wasn't here when we last did this podcast, so I'm super excited that he is around. Yes. In case you missed my post somehow. Love Christian Ehrhoff. Very excited that he's in LA. It is what I wanted from their defense um, all summer. (laughs) And then it happened. That was amazing. Anyway, he started with the number 44, which is a number he originally had with the San Jose Sharks, um, and has now switched to number 10. Controversy. Not really, but kind of. A little bit. At first, he said he was going to stay with 44, but apparently changed his mind. He's wearing number 10 now. Mike Richards' future still kind of up in the air. Uh, but not on the Kings anymore. <laughs>
0: um, I thought that it was too soon when Erhoff took Regier's 44, but now I'm like <laughs> definitely like, this is too soon <laughs> for uh, Richards' 10. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It is. Um, also, speaking of Erhoff, real quick, I took a gander through the Los Angeles Kings media guide that they put out. Um, fairly recently, and airhoffs uh, so everyone has like their roster picture, and then they have a secondary picture for the most part. Um, Erhoff's secondary picture is just, like, one with, like, the arms crossed. It's very boy band-esque. Like, if you were to put a Tiger Beat logo in the corner, it wouldn't be out of place. Uh, so I suggest that everyone take a gander at that because it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious and fantastic. Luchich has a similar one, but to less effect.
1: Now, I actually do just want to blow whatever that, um, second picture is way up and put Tiger Beat across it and then hang it up in my room. Because that's how I feel about Christian Erhoff. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's very cool. Um, because we don't have pictures of Kings players with dogs, uh, Kings players as boy band members we will just have to do.
1: I will take it. I still haven't actually looked at the media guide. Anyway, other number changes. Derek Forbert was 84, I believe, and is now number 7. And Jordan Wheel was number 60, is now number 19. Nick Shore... Was 37 and is now number 21. Now he has to live up to Matt Fratton's legacy with the Kings. Can he do it? Oh, I hope he can because otherwise
0: <laughs> all of this will have been for
1: naught. I mean, I'm just saying you could make um, an a argument kind of that Matt Fratton, part of the reason the Kings won the Stanley Cup in 2014, his sacrifice helped the franchise. We got married, Gabrick married. Gabrick nearly tied Wayne Gretzky's goal, like, uh, yeah, Wayne Gretzky's record for number of postseason goals. Just saying, Matt Fratton, really important. Can Nick Shore
0: live up to that greatness? What being so terrible that he can get traded to a different team so that the Kings can win the Stanley <laughs> Cup? I mean, it's probably better if he's just actually good and will actually help the Kings play, um, and score goals and make it to the playoffs. But I mean, I guess barring that, he can just be. Good, like, good enough to be traded, but like bad enough to not stay on the team um, and then trade for someone else. So, you know, he's got a lot of options.
1: If all else fails, there's Columbus, if... is what I am taking away from his number change. Good luck to Nick Shore. I hope he does really well. Oh, were there any other players during the preseason that you found really exciting to watch do their thing, or their? I mean, like it's cool that the AHL guys are now on the West Coast; they are the Ontario Reign. We plan to go see them at some point. But are there any of those dudes where you are like, I'd really like to see them on the Kings roster sooner rather than later? They, later, they. I would you. like to
0: see Michael Mersch on the Kings. Same. He was great during the pre- preseason. Um, obviously, he just needs a little bit more time. Uh, polishing up his game, uh, the mayor actually quoted Fuda and said that Sutter told Michael Mersch, you got s- got some scuff on your boots. You have to put some polish on them, which is absolutely a Daryl Sutter thing to say <laughs> yeah. um, and probably a little true. Just uh, get a little more time kind of fixing up your game, uh, polishing that up. But um, I know that he was also sent out just because he didn't have to go through waivers, so it was a lot easier in that decision. But you know, perhaps a chance later on in the season. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah,
1: a lot of people say there's a possibility that he could be a mid-season call-up, you know, assuming, like, if there are injuries or for some reason someone gets traded or something like that. So we might see him this season, but if not, I think he'll be so exciting to watch play on the rain and then watch play with the Kings if not this year then possibly next year he is I was also really impressed by him and I mean I had seen stuff written about him and what he had done in the AHL last season and seen that people were um, really excited and of course like you know he he was a college player I believe right so what he had done in college and the people just found him really exciting and then to get to see him play with the guys in the Kings roster or some it it was cool. I would love to see more of Michael Mersh. He really was impressive. Don't really know if there were other I'm still undecided on how I feel about Derek Forbert. <laughs> but he's around. I'm sure we will see him at some point. But he was also another one that didn't have to clear waivers, so they, you know, there was no way he was gonna really stay with the roster at this point. That's why they kept Schultz and McBain around. But yeah, that's the that's the situation with with the AHL guys right now. The other thing that I feel that we have to note is the fact that Milan Lucic already looks like he got hit by a bus, and the season has not even started.
0: I think him and Kyle Clifford are just going to end up competing to see who can look the craziest. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand like, they're, what just gonna, they're just going to look destroyed constantly, no matter what. No matter what happens, they're going to look like, yeah, absolutely. Like they've hit a truck.
1: The craziest thing about the this last game is that we had seen him in the MGM the night before and his face didn't look nearly that bad and then just a few minutes into the Avalanche game he already looks like twice is beat up what is going on with Bilal Luchich's face
0: it's like the opposite of magic <laughs> yeah. you know it's like it's not good but it's happening
1: it's pretty rough so I felt like we had to just point that out because it's actually shocking to me um, so, what do you think of now that we kind of know what the roster looks like, give or take a player or two, just for the opening night because of injuries and whatnot? Now that we mostly know what the Kings team
0: looks like for this season, how do you feel about them? I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. Everyone's looked on paper. It looks like it could work. Um, in the preseason, it looked like you know they just needed a little like iron out the kinks a little bit, but. I mean, it's a lot of changes that have happened. A lot of things have been riled up, both, like, on the ice um, and, like, regarding actual hockey playing and then kind of, like, off the ice and, you know, more personal matters. Um, So with all of that, I am just sort of like, this could work. This could be totally fine. Um, But it might not. It's kind of a lot to change at once, a lot of things happening at once, but I'm – I'm optimistic about um, everything kind of falling together. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a little rough at the beginning, but I think it. I think it might start to work.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they go up against other teams in in the Pacific Division. I think, in particular, uh, because I like a number of the changes that some of those teams have made. Not that they have necessarily made like those teams exponentially better in some cases. Like for instance, I really liked that, the Calgary flames picked up Dougie Hamilton. I don't know if that's going to just like revolutionize their team when it comes to how lucky they were last season, but I think it does make them a little better. So it'll be interesting to see a, if a team like that stays that lucky. And if having, you know, a piece like Hamilton on the team, which makes them a little more legitimate, keeps them to be, you know, being a tough team for like the Kings to play. I like some of the moves that the sharks made um, is hilarious as that organization is. So will the Kings still be able to go toe-to-toe with them? Like you said, I think on paper it looks like yes. And even in their early pieces and showing, even though they had a little trouble scoring goals, they still, you know, keep possession of the puck. Um, As usual, their games against the Ducks were still – they lost, both of them, but it was by one goal and one of those losses was in overtime. So – I think it'll be really competitive, but like you said, we're just not entirely sure which side of it the Kings will come out on. Hopefully if they can win in overtime and the shootout, whenever that happens, they won't run into what they did last season, where it was like just a few points shy of making the playoffs. But I think it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Like I think everything looks positive, but hopefully the gelling happens, especially on that top line and they score a bunch. Um I would like to see Andre Kopetar break seventy points again. I would also like to see by the way Andre Kopetar sign a contract. What's up?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's kind of worrying <laughs> um and I know he was like, oh, let's not talk about anything during the season, but please talk about stuff during the season like that's fine. yeah, like let's Let's sign something out sooner rather than later.
1: I would love to have the season interrupted to tell me that Andre Kopitar had signed a contract. I don't have a problem with that at all, actually.
0: I would probably prefer that (laughs) uh, than the, like, constant waiting. Um, So if that could happen, that'd be swell.
1: So, yeah, side note for that. But anyway, I hope that top line clicks and we get a lot of goals and that things um, go the way we want them to, that the Kings are luckier rather than seem to kind of struggle with scoring and things like that all season uh, because i'm kind of tired of that story and i want something different
0: i think it's going to be a little different just because the kings are now fully aware of the fact that they can't just you know tiptoe into the like end of the season or to the playoffs at the end of the season they they see like kind of like the danger that um that can happen So I think now if they see themselves dipping into – like dipping in the standings a little bit, it's going to be more of a concerted effort. Not that they weren't trying before, but it was always – I felt like, oh, well, we still have time. Or there wasn't necessarily that sense of urgency. But now I think they know the consequences, so it'll be a little bit
1: different. I don't really expect them to, like, win the division or anything. That's just not really their style. I mean, if they did, cool, but I don't expect them to. But I do hope that – they get it together a little more and don't have too many of those games where it's like, even though we saw a couple in preseason, where it's like they have all of the shots and none of the goals. I hope they figure that out somehow. I don't want to see them panic, but I also don't want to feel like they don't care. basically. So hopefully hopefully we get that sense of excitement and a little bit of urgency throughout the season because that's what I want to see. Hopefully they all are on at the same time. Last season there was a lot of like, the forwards are scoring a lot of goals. Jonathan Quick can't save any goals. Or it was like, Jonathan Quick is saving everything. For some reason the Kings can't get any shots um, happening. Nobody was ever on target at the same time. and Hopefully we don't run into that again either.
0: And now I think you're dreaming too big.
1: I'm just saying. It would be nice um a lot of off ice things have happened too since the last time we recorded because i think we recorded in june so Slavovojnov had not pled no contest that happened he went to jail for a while and then he was held by emigration and eventually decided to self-depart to russia he is going to be playing in the khl and the Kings released a statement after his decision to self depart which I thought was mostly unnecessary as statements go. But how did you feel about it? I
0: thought it was like a, it was weirdly like defensive. Just like we were totally gonna terminate his contract, but now that he's gone, like we don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm like, okay,
1: yeah. Did
0: it, you did you really need to mention that? Just be like, like re- regurgitate the facts and then go on your day. Like it was. It was kind of strange the the way they announced it. A, because nobody is
1: going to care. Or B, believe you at this point. Like, it's very right. easy to say that we were totally going to not let him play the whole time when he's already leaving. So that was weird. I didn't think they needed to say that. I did like, like, the only thing they needed to keep, what should have been the statement, was that they had acknowledged his decision to leave and then announced their, that they were planning to roll out those initiatives. That's really all they needed to say. They didn't need to say anything else, but they did. It was kind of messy, but at least they did eventually follow up on introducing those new programs, which I was glad to see. We had first heard mention of them in Katie Strang's article in June, and um, then they followed up on them and released them in early September. Interesting thing about some of that, they're working with a bunch of different people, including Peace Over Violence, specifically to focus on the domestic violence aspect. I had heard, not that we have too many sources, but I heard... That the Kings had started conversations with peace over violence in November. So pretty early on after Savowaoff's arrest and um, eventual charge, and they finally they put together a program and they really worked on it. And hopefully we will see a little bit more about what that looks like um, because obviously, these are programs given to the players. So we may not see a whole lot of how it's executed, but I would like to hear more detail
0: um, and speaking kind of kind of rolling back to Slava deal he is gone he's playing in the KHL. Um, I really hope that his family has like the support that they need in Russia. That was one of the not good things about kind of the fact that potentially that he might stay here was that there's plenty of like domestic violence networks that she mm-hmm. could have been involved in um, whereas I am less hopeful about that in Russia. Right, yeah. But I hope that, you know, everyone's doing all right.
1: That was my thing, because part of his sentencing was that he had to do a mandatory, um, I think it was for a year, but, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but I think it was a 52-week program that he had to go in that was basically counseling and whatnot, and so now that he's in Russia, I don't know if he has to do that. Like you said, we don't really know what kind of support his family is getting, so I don't really know how to feel about it like on the one hand like we were always very honest about the fact that we weren't emotionally prepared to watch Slava play hockey with the Kings again but at the same time we're very aware of you know the people to be concerned for are Slava wife and um, her child and we don't know what's going to happen to them now so it's 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 still we always kind of knew there was not going to be a win here regardless of what happened um but I do hope she's okay, and unfortunately, they aren't here to be part of these programs. So I hope that they help other people, you know, involved in the Kings organization to either learn better, or if someone eventually needs help or something, that they can get it. Um, it's tough. But
0: meanwhile, while all of this off ice conduct awareness initiative is coming out. Um... Obviously, the media is going to ask the Kings player players about this, and strangely, they seem to be asking Drew Doughty. Um, what do you think about that, Chanel? I
1: am so frustrated. I have to. I I thought about writing about this, but it's been very hard to organize my thoughts. So I'm just going to babble a little bit about it here and try to work through them. Here is my thing. I'm really frustrated both with the Kings organization and with the. Hockey media, um, and not just local, national level, too, because, of course, some of the first articles that we really got with statements from players were those things that Pierre Lebrun wrote for ESPN. And if you're going to ask some – we know why you're asking Drew Doughty about off-ice issues. We know. <laughs> and it's not just because he happens to be there with Andre Kopitar. It's – when Salvo when I was first arrested, Drew Doughty was – not inconspicuously made on you know he wasn't available for people to talk to if you're going to ask drew dowdy about off-ice issues you have to ask drew dowdy about being investigated for sexual assault in 2012 and nobody has actually asked that question or challenged the kings in any way like as they rolled out these programs it was like here's what they're doing here's like top level stuff but nobody asked them Specifics Like, there were some quotes from Peace Over Violence where they talked about, like, oh, we want to integrate with wives and stuff to form a relationship with them. How about somebody ask what that means, though? Does that mean, like, if the girlfriend or wife or partner anybody of these players comes to them and is like, look, I need help, will they go back and tell the organization? Will they go back and tell the player? Do these people get resources outside of the Kings at all? We still don't know things like that. We still don't know why three years ago, when Drew Doughty was investigated for sexual assault, which is something they don't friggin' talk about still. Why didn't the Kings come up with programs then? I feel like the NHL still treats the idea of being more proactive and vocal about these things as some kind of admission of guilt, which it shouldn't be. You don't have to mention that Drew Dowdy is innocent. You know, like if you don't, you don't have to say whether you think he's innocent or guilty, you can still be like, look, at the very least, being involved with this has made us want to be advocates against sexual harassment, against, you know, domestic violence situations. And they didn't do it three years ago. And nobody's asking them about that. Nobody's asking if Drew Doughty has done anything to, to promote advocating against sexual assault or anything like that since then, if he's learned anything at all, because he never had to talk about it then. The Kings didn't either. It's especially glaring to have this happening at the same time as this Patrick Kane case, because... The NHL has already set this precedent of, like, if you are accused of sexual assault, we basically will ignore it, and eventually you'll become a player who still can be lauded, who can be friggin' the favorite to win the Norris Trophy and still never have to talk about it, even when your team is rolling out these new things that includes focus on sexual harassment and sexual assault. I just don't understand why nobody's asking. I don't understand why they can get away. Like, I don't think the Kings would be forthcoming with this kind of stuff because it's easier for them to ignore it. But I don't get why nobody is even asking those questions to see how they respond, to see if they've done anything. Because, again, it could have. this is something they could have looked into doing three years ago is forming these partnerships. Or even before that, when um, their assistant coach at the time, Mark Hardy, got arrested for um, a sexual assault and was charged and had to go through the, that whole thing. The charges were also eventually dropped. But in 2010, I believe that is when that happened. Why didn't anybody talk about it more there? Why is it now... Five years later, that they're finally addressing these programs and trying to attack these partnerships, which I'm grateful for and I hope they're legitimate, but I don't understand why they don't have to a- answer hard questions about any of this stuff.
0: What's also kind of crazy just about the asking of Drew Dowdy is that they so obviously don't mention it mm-hmm. and like if they were to ask someone else about the initiatives there's plenty of other people people with you know dustin brown has spoken about how once uh the whole slava Voynov thing came out he had hard talks with his wife about you know what would happen what would they do so on and so forth um so if they had asked him and just like ignored drew dowdy completely i wouldn't agree with it of course not But I would understand, you know, I could see what they were doing. But to ask – to, like, go and ask Drew Dowdy and then just completely avoid, like, the giant elephant in the room there is maddening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it comes off – it makes it hard to believe in the idea that they're really looking to do better when at the same time you're rolling out these new initiatives and programs, you're not – being entirely transparent about what has happened in that organization in the past. Um, Because, again, this happened three years ago, this investigation. And whether the Kings believe he's innocent or not, and even without them saying it, it's just amazing to me that they've never had to answer for it. Like, with the Drew Doughty thing, too, even at the time, like, nobody has ever really dug into why Those reports, it wasn't clear exactly when the reports were filed, but in the reports, it said the incident happened in March. That story didn't break until after the Kings had won the Stanley Cup because TMZ broke it, not a local beat reporter in Los Angeles or anybody like that. Why was he allowed to go that many months without anybody knowing, presumably, that that had happened? Did they know? Because it seems like they should have. And if they didn't know, why didn't they know? Like, why are they doing such a poor job that they don't find out about something that serious? There's a lot unanswered. And it it, it just frustrates me that that nobody is even asking these questions. And that instead, we're like, thrown in our faces that Drew Dowdy has matured so much as a person and he gets to wear a fucking A during the preseason. Like, I don't give a shit. Ask him what has happened since he was investigated for sexual assault. So, obviously, I'm very, very annoyed by the weird trickery going on there. Um,
0: Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered there and... Um, kind of moving on to, like, another thing that has a lot of... It's, like, shrouded in mystery is this whole thing with Mike Richards. Mm-hmm. What do we know for sure about it? You know, like, about the circumstances surrounding it. We know right now that his contract is terminated mm-hmm. and he was charged with possession. But kind of everything else seems, like, hazy.
1: It It's... I have a bunch of different feelings. But it's fascinating to me just narrative-wise. Like, when that story broke, I remember... Um, I think it was another Katie Strang piece where she wrote about how Dean Lombardi had found out on the draft floor and went over to like Chiarelli or someone else. I forget what what other GM it was that he was talking to and said like, this is going to come out. I have to tell you about it now kind of thing. That story still has not come out. We still don't know exactly what happened. We know that it was a border incident. Mike Richards was held and questioned and not arrested or charged right away. The charges came much later. The Kegs terminated his contract in between those two things for a material breach, but we don't actually know specifically what the breach was, though there's been a lot of speculation that it's the the possession of Oxycontin itself. But we don't know for sure. So I'm I'm really curious to see why they thought termination was the way to go here.
0: And do we know for sure if termination is even possible? Right. Like I know I know the king said that they were gonna terminate his contract, but you know, they could say anything. Uh whether or not it actually holds up with, you know, like the standards of the NHLPA and whatever drug policies that they have um initiated there. Um, I know that there's like mandatory steps the kings have to take if there are, you know, drug issues, drug problems. Um I'm I'm one hundred percent sure it doesn't go straight to termination. So um I'm kind of curious as to what exactly is going on, but that's one of those things that we have just so little information on.
1: Yeah, even um so like today the news came down that Zach Cassian is entering into stage two of the substance abuse program that the NHL has. And if you look at all of the stages, even like stage four, I believe is what it goes up to. And it's like a player can be suspended indefinitely. They may never be reinstated or allowed to play in the league again. But even that is not like contract termination, basically goodbye, you don't exist anymore. Uh, So it's fascinating to me that that's the route that the Kings went. I mean, obviously you can't ignore the fact that It's a boon to them financially if they don't have to pay Mike Richards a bunch of money for not playing, including like there were two years where his cap hit while not being on the roster would be four million and something. So, of course, that is part of it. And then they would only have him on the books for five years after him leaving the team versus the 10 years if they just bought him out. So that's obviously a factor, but it is interesting that they would choose termination, which doesn't really have a precedent, could set a pretty devastating one for players around the league, so you know the NHLPA will probably fight it as hard as they can. And yet, the Kings were like, this is the route we're going.
0: The Kings are being very, like, I do what I want about everything that's happened this summer, all of the kind of, like, off-ice misconduct and it just, it just hasn't been handled very well at all.
1: And so we still don't know where that's going to shake out. I also just, I mean, this is a team who, like, Dean Lombardi even recently was like, I thought Mike Richards was going to be my Derek Jeter, uh, which is pretty huge. So it, it sounds, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? We've talked about how much we do or do not trust things that Dean Lombardi says. But he is still saying, at least, that he cares pretty deeply about Mike Richards. And even Mike Richards up until he got terminated was saying that he would prefer to stay in los angeles so it it's also not even like nobody even had thought that the relationship necessarily went sour everybody was very sad that mike Richards was not good enough to play on this team but it didn't seem like there was like something insidious happening here and now it's kind of like i don't know are they friends do they still talk to him where is he contract termination seems pretty serious was there anger all of a sudden? Like, in the span of a couple of days, too, because, like, the draft thing, they found out the draft on Friday, the termination cable a couple of days later. I, there were, like, a hundred questions to ask about this case.
0: So so many questions, so little answers. Mostly, I just want to know is he okay? Like, where, That's, like, no hide nor hair. We haven't seen yeah. any of him anywhere.
1: Yeah, there were, like, one or two pictures, because um, he still did his charity golf tournament that he does every year. So he still did that. Uh, he was hanging out with Cabbie Richards from TSN. At one point, that's all I have seen of Mike Richards for months. I, I mean, that's a thing. Like, you people say OxyContin, and it's like, holy shit! Like, people know how many concussions that dude has had, how many surgeries he's had. Is he all right? Yeah, we don't know. So it's been an inter- It's been an eventful off ice off season for the Kings. There's still a lot of things up in the air. You no, know, that'll probably continue to be stuff that we talk about throughout the season. I guess I have – now that we know someone – Slavon off is not coming back, uh, Mike Richards will not be back, and we don't know how that's going to shake out yet for what that does for the Kings on the ice. We know somebody has friggin' taken his number already. <laughs> so he's not yeah, coming back.
0: pretty drastic, yeah.
1: Having that off-ice stuff, does it – I don't know. How does it make you feel about watching the team this season? Like, where are you – does it take away from it still for you? Do you feel like you're in a place where you're like – now you can compartmentalize enough not like that's kind of what I've been trying to figure out for myself
0: um I think honestly for the most part I've been able to compartmentalize it um not that I am you know dismissing it completely not that it's not on my mind but I just like when it comes to actually watching a game I honestly don't really like worry about it too much
1: I do think like going to Frozen Fury I mean even just like us talking about like stuff at the beginning of this particular podcast and even like the second half of the podcast we did over the summer, like there are still a lot of things about this team that I do find really exciting. And for the most part, I think there's still a lot of good they can do. Like even my frustrations I was talking about with Drew Dowdy and how they don't talk about it an easy way to fix that is to fucking talk about it and have real answers and don't let that guy go out there and say things like it's cool that we have someone like brett myers for our guys to talk to but not that there's anybody on our team who has any problems dude did you see what happened to your team the last year were you around for it maybe i don't know don't say things like that but I still think that's, you know, salvageable things. They can still do a lot of good. So I think for me, I'm at the point where I'm like, there's still a lot of stuff I'm disappointed in and have problems with, but continue to hope that they take kind of some some good steps, some steps in the right direction still. I like that they have programs. I hope they're legitimate. And I hope whatever, I hope if that we find out what's happening with Mike Richards, and I hope that when we do find out more about what's happening with Mike Richards, it's not that the Kings just abandoned him or anything like that, if he is struggling with addiction. So I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, I have a lot of questions, I have a lot of things I'm worried about, but there's also still a lot of guys I'm excited about, and I'm hoping that they kind of continue in a positive way as much as they can, if that makes sense.
0: Oh no, absolutely. It's not like, all of this off-ice stuff has been horrible, but it's not like, it's not scorched earth with like the kings quite yet, you know. They're still at least doing good, <laughs> improving and and stuff like that. So you're right. It's it's they still have plenty of good left that they can do.
1: I did also like um, in one of the articles I read. Maybe it was that same or no? There were uh, yeah. Maybe it was the same one where there are a little more details about the peace over violence and, and and that guy who they just hired to talk with players about drug addiction and stuff like that at the very end of this article Dustin Brown says they're starting from scratch again basically that all of the goodwill that they had built up with fans is gone now and they have to start over and i really appreciated having that kind of awareness on the team i have a lot of affection for Dustin Brown not even necessarily i was just
0: about to say Dustin Brown's great yeah
1: like not even necessarily for like play on the ice even though i've enjoyed when he plays well and but even in this stuff, I, I like that he seems really self-aware about stuff like this. And he was like, look, we got to start over. And it's like, good, I want you to do that and, and be sincere about it. And I hope that um, he's serious. And I hope that that provides an example for other people in that organization. And it seems like it could. Um, so, so stuff like that, I think, you know, makes me feel a little positive. And, and another interesting thing, this is... I mean, it's, it's not to do with the off ice issues, but a thing that I do find fascinating, despite the fact that there, there are very clearly some things that the Kings don't talk about, is that they are starting, they are joining the number of NHL teams that have a behind the scenes type of series, which I don't remember them talking about being a thing that was coming, but all of a sudden it was like, premiering Tuesday, black and white, the new all access series about the Kings.
0: I'm so excited because now that there's no stadium series to uh, like, you know, road to the stadium series or anything like that, um, I was kind of afraid that we'd be back to being like, yeah, I don't know, like only like the scoreboard features as to the little snippets that we learn about the Kings players or whatever. So I'm pretty amped about seeing kind of the the behind the scenes stuff and seeing what kind of like vibe it is, yeah, what, like what content they put out there. It'll be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I I hope it's a lot of fun. The little teaser, the little 50-second teaser was talking about the Lucic trade or whatever, which is not, like, something I care that deeply about. But my thing is, like, give me lots of interesting behind-the-scenes tidbits with the players. That's cool. Also some goofy shenanigans. I like seeing that. Um, I'm also curious about how much it'll overlap with the AHL team now that they're closer. Like, I think this is a really interesting time for them to do this and another opportunity for them to have some more transparency if they really want it. Who knows if they'll allow the in-house video team that they have to, to get all that. But I, I think it's fascinating and I hope it brings like some goofy stuff, some fun stuff, and hopefully a few insightful things. I don't know. We'll see.
0: I always love behind the scenes things. Like I'm the person that like listens to commentaries and you know watches all of the behind the scenes featurettes. So I'm pretty amped about this one.
1: Yeah me too. That's starting uh it's starting Tuesday. So again this podcast will go up the day that it's premiering so maybe we can immediately watch it um, but hopefully it's a lot of fun and i am glad that also makes me just think all right they've finally given me a behind the scenes series maybe we'll eventually get that pet calendar we really want
0: more dogs everyone has a dog can we just get a calendar of king's players and dogs i really don't think it's asking too much yeah
1: just give us what we want
0: people just players and pets players and pets that's all we need, and to and to speak like also, I will pay money for this, mm-hmm. so it is just a good business venture. Yeah,
1: come on. But that that was thinking like moving in this direction of things that I have been craving. Maybe we'll eventually get there. Um, or maybe there's somebody in the Kings organization who is, for whatever reason, vehemently against dogs. I don't know. (laughs) Who just does not want a dog calendar. (laughs) I hope that's not the case. But in the meantime, behind the scenes, maybe we'll at least get to see players' dogs in this behind the scenes series. I don't know. Fingers crossed. We can only (laughs) hope. I don't know. Are there any other Kings things that you want to talk about in our first episode back for season three of Thanks, Bud? Pretty crazy. We're on season three.
0: Um, I I usually, like, season threes are usually some of my favorite seasons of, like, long-running TV shows, so maybe this is, I'm I'm feeling like this one will be a good one. But anyways, the Kings have their season opener this Wednesday against the San Jose Sharks, Mm -hmm. and it's Martin Jones that's going to be starting squaring off with Jonathan Quick, so that's going to be very interesting. Yeah um i wasn't expecting to see this so soon yeah for sure and i think i think it was rich hammond who noted that
1: they both had shutouts in their last preseason game um the frozen fury game was the only full game that jonathan quick played and he again shut out the avalanche so it's like who's gonna let in a goal first here What's happening?
0: I'm hoping it'll be interesting. Me too. I'm hoping the Kings win. Me too. Can the Kings stop losing their home
1: openers? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I feel like, you know, we've, we've been either at or near or like in the area when they've had their last few home openers and they've lost all of them. <laughs> so maybe yep. now that we're not going to be there, they'll win this one. <laughs>
0: and then we'll know we have to stay away <laughs> yeah we just can't be there
1: for the the, the home openers uh, at Staples I guess
0: but hockey is back which I missed yay
1: hockey I wasn't sure how much I was gonna miss it but now it's back and I'm real stoked
0: ready to spend all of my like evenings being like sorry guys can't hang out yeah. I got a thing to watch yeah
1: that's what I just like this the past couple of weeks I've been like oh right now we're back to the point where I just don't see people because <laughs> I'm invested in this relationship oh uh, it's gonna be good all right, I guess we will end on that because we've already gone pretty long. Glad to be back and glad to talk more about the shenanigans of this team and around the league. And it seems like there's plenty of stuff happening this season, a lot of big moves. Even like former Kings, some surprising moves there. Like Ben Skrivins got waived by the Edmonton Oilers, which is pretty weird. I will at some point cry about Justin Williams playing with the Washington Capitals. Lots of Lots of things to look forward to in the form of tears, but also some joy.
0: Um also I just like not kings related but speaking of just like lunacy happening around the uh, league Rafi Torres today suspended <laughs> yeah. for 41 games. You heard right 41 games. I think everyone was kind of like whoa holy shit when um that one was announced and has to pay close to like half a million dollars in salary. That's like um
1: crazy. To that's me. crazy. I mean, he is a repeat offender, he's gotten into a lot of trouble, so I'm like, cool, go for it. Forty one games, good. But just if I was him, like just somebody telling me that I was forfeiting let's see, the exact number is four hundred and forty thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars. If somebody told me that I was gonna forfeit that because of a decision I had made, I don't I how I would be pretty devastated. <laughs> So what is going through his head? Why does he keep doing stuff like this? Also, he's like barely a hockey player at this point because it's like he's back for a few games. He gets suspended for more of them. I don't understand Rafi Torres' decisions. This is his fifth
0: suspension. That's crazy. Which is, is nuts. His previous longest one was 21, which was already kind of out of this world. And now it's 41. Yeah. So um, sounds about right. Meanwhile, his suspension has garnered, mostly everyone's like in favor of it. But Jason Demers, for whatever reason, hashtag free Torres. No, thank you. Oh,
1: Jason Demers. After he had gained so much goodwill from people for the bunch mocks incident this summer. (laughs) It's gone now. And then this one. (laughs) Yeah, it's gone.
0: On the flip side, other players that have played with Rafi Torres have said, like Ryan Kessler said, same player every year. I played with the guy. He needs to learn how to hit. That has no part in our game. Oh. And Sean Horakoff, who is on the Ducks now, um, said the same thing. Like, loves Rafi Torres, but enough's enough. Yeah. So, you know, I think people are kind of fed up with his yeah shenanigans right now. They're tired of it. They're
1: tired of it, man. And so our fans. I'm sure. Who I, I like? Is there anybody out there who is like, I love Rafi Torres? <laughs> Do those fans exist? I don't think they can at this point. He doesn't even play for you to love. He's here
0: for a second, and <laughs> then he's gone again. But also, the way he plays is a mess. So, if he comes back... will he just, like, immediately get suspended again. Right, yeah. For, like, something else in the first game back. But, by the way, can we talk about how the f- he was drafted fifth overall? That's crazy. Like, this is someone who was drafted fifth. I forgot about that. Amazing. Well in that in that in that in that year justin williams was justin Williams was dra- drafted twenty eight okay well, that team made a bad decision,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will appeal it. he has until Wednesday to do so, and even if it gets reduced, it's still going to be a pretty long sentence, I'm sure or a long suspension. I don't know man like. What are you doing? And I don't think you should free Torres, Jason DeVears. I don't think that's really what we need here. Nope. Hopefully that, like, also warns some other people, but who knows? I'm
0: glad that he's not going to be playing against the Kings this uh, Wednesday. Yeah, so, um Yeah, by the way, this all happened during the preseason. Like, dude, to be so terrible that you're going to get suspended, like, before the season, season even starts, that's something... Come on. Like magic jeez anyways that's a ridiculous note to end on but we are very glad that hockey is back we're ready to devote our lives to hockey again and i'm sure a lot of other people are too uh we got a taste of it at frozen fury which by the way shout out to everyone we saw there yeah good to see y'all nice friends yeah i'm um, excited
1: i'm ready for the season let's do it let's do this. so our usual spiel we're back to this except we have a minor edition on twitter at thanks bud If you want to email us, chirp at thanksbud.com is how you can reach us. We also just started a Facebook, so we're going to try to be good at that. (laughs) It is facebook.com slash THXBUD. Real simple. Go there, like it, whatever. I'm a little scared of Facebook because I feel like it kind of brings out the weird in people more so than Twitter. But we'll see how it goes.
0: I forgot I forgot about the Facebook yeah, already.
1: Yeah, because we kind of just started it with, like... And I put, like, the articles that we had just posted. Anyway, anyway, it exists now. We're going to try to use it. I'm <laughs> calling...
0: There. I'm going to call our Facebook Jeff <laughs> Schultz because I'm going to keep on forgetting about it. <laughs>
1: but it exists. It really does exist now. I think that is all that we have so far. Like I said, if you didn't see stuff we did over the summer, the A to Z Guide for Buck Daddy, um, Jules from the Crown stuff, they're also releasing their Pacific Division preview, and we contributed to that a little bit. And otherwise... We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, coming back for season three, of third year of Thanks Bud. We're excited. Um, and until we talk to you again, as usual, take care of yourselves, friends. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.